folding pocket. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Fast and the Curious is part of the ACAST Creators Network. You enjoy it now. Hello, welcome back to The Fast and the Curious with me, Betty Glover, Christian Hugill and team principal, Greg James, who's back with us this week. Hello, Greg. Hello, a wonderful episode last week. I'm, I was so jealous of you on The Sim. Logan was on amazing form. And if anyone hasn't heard that episode, you must. The way he talked through what it's like to be on the grid is exceptional and uh, it was a, just a brilliant, visceral description of of what's going through his head at that moment of the lights going out. I really loved it. I thought it was fantastic radio. Um, ten points to each of you. Oh, oh well, I can't wait to spend my points. <laughs> spend your points. I um, feel like I let everyone down on the sim, so I'd just like to apologise. But um, I loved the the listener that messaged us saying that we should get Betty some secret training, not tell Christian, and then get them to race each other <laughs> later in the season, and I will absolutely smash it. And I saw that, by the way, wherever you were, I forget your name. I, I'm watching you, listeners, sick of you. I should change the password on the account because the message was addressed to me. It said, for, for team principal's eyes only because it was actually some dirty dealings between the drivers. So yeah, I think, Betty, it would be amazing to get you some training, some F1 lessons. Good luck to that <laughs> trainer. We, we can get you on again. <laughs> but I really enjoyed the episode. I thought it was fantastic. I thought you were both brilliant. And the really exciting thing is that you were racing on the Melbourne circuit. How did you find it, Christian? Oh, well, it's got a really special place in my heart, Melbourne. It's top of my bucket list of races because it was always historically first race of the season. So I used to get up in the morning and it used to start at like 4am, but I'd get up. I was so excited I genuinely felt a little bit like Christmas morning. So I lo- love the Melbourne track. And therefore, because of that, it was always the one I played on the games when I was a really young kid, when the cars were like Lego blocks back in the day. So I, I had a lovely time. Thanks for sending us team principal. Christian knew the track like the back of his hand. He he could have closed his eyes and got round that track. Um, whereas I was just had no idea what was going on. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we should do a little race. We should get a, a video game that's got a, a Winchester circuit <laughs> around the town centre. And then Betty, you'll know all about it. That's where you grew up, wasn't it? <laughs> that is where I grew up. Great memory, Greg. Well, the team principal knows everything. Anyway, Betty, please tell us what's coming up on this fantastic edition of The Fast and the Curious. Well, we've got lots of listener questions to get through, as always. Thank you so much for messaging us. So we're going to go through some of them. Lots of questions for Christian and his uh, his very geeky F1 brain. Um, we're also going to preview the third race of the season in Australia. Of course, we'll go through all of that. Set your alarms really early on Sunday 
day. It's like 6 a.m. It starts, isn't it? That's going to be quite painful. Ooh, no thanks. That's my, that's my lion. Day. Oh, and then uh, we've got some special guests lined up as well. But um, I think, Christian, we should start with our very niche <laughs> but returning feature. It is called McLaren News. <laughs> Can I just interrupt McLaren News? Just to say, as we're at the start of the podcast, I might have an office chair delivered at some point in this podcast. Oh, for God's sake. They gave me a 12, it'll be between 7am and 7pm and they texted me this morning and said it'll be between this hour, the one hour we're recording this podcast. If I pop off, that's why. Okay, is that all? That's fine. Well, I think, Betty, that this might actually be not an office chair, but uh, a Formula One simulator. Oh my God, can you imagine? Price of the bloody thing, I wish it was. Anyway, <laughs> McLaren, yes, McLaren News. Let's bring back the jingle. McLaren News. There we are. I'm oh, glad you brought that back. <laughs> just before you get started, Christian, uh. why are we just doing McLaren News? Can you just explain this? It's like, why is it just McLaren? The reason we're doing McLaren News a lot is because there's a lovely person at McLaren who likes to text me McLaren News. So if other oh. teams want us to talk about them we will they've got to text me as well so that's why we're unashamedly doing McLaren news and why they get their own jingle frankly you're a little bit like uh Laura Koonsberg when she was the political editor and she would just I get, am. she'd get texts off Tories yes and she'd just sort of say I've heard from high up in the government that blah 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 is going going to go tonight that is literally it uh, lots of listeners got in touch asking that they'd seen changes at McLaren and what that was all about. So McLaren's technical director, James Key, has left. He was the boss of all the tech side thing, side of things. He's effectively been replaced by three people. A compliment. Well, yeah, absolutely. My incredibly important high-level sources at McLaren tell me, Laura Koonsberg style, that this isn't a, a like knee-jerk reaction based on the disappointing opening couple of races at the season. But what it is, basically, McLaren... They won't mind me saying this. They don't want to be where they are. They finished fifth last year in terms of the championship behind Alpine. Probably, if we're being honest, they might struggle to come fifth this year, given that Alpine and Aston have started well. So what we should read into this is this is McLaren restructuring all the tech side of the business, all the aerodynamic side of the business. So this is because they want to be fighting for titles and they hate being midfielders. Yeah, listen, they, they don't want to be fighting at the back. They want to be at the front. And... You know, they won the World Championship with Lewis Hamilton. McLaren have historically been a team in Formula One that have fought at the very front. But it's not been a brilliant time of it for them since they last won their championship with Lewis. So they've got an amazing driver lineup like Lando and Oscar. There's any team in F1 would love that driver lineup. What they need now is the car. And this is them getting everything, getting their ducks in a row and saying, we, we will be back. And I... I honestly think they will. I think we will start to see McLaren build and move forward uh, in the coming seasons. I honestly do. So there is the latest McLaren news. McLaren news. Very interesting. Well, I'm glad we've cleared up McLaren news. I think we're all... Uh, a lot more knowledgeable on McLaren now. Would you say so, Greg? <laughs> I'd say so. Well, what do you want to do next, Betty? <laughs> let's go to some listener questions. No, then. no, no, let's not. Let's not go to some listener questions. I've got a much better idea. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. You will remember, if you listened to a podcast a couple of weeks ago, team principal, Mr. Greg James. Hi, Greg. Hello there. Played a wonderful game called Whose V Is It Anyway? <laughs> Much to everyone's surprise, in the DMs and in the messages, it went down really well. Possibly. Oh! Oh. What was that? Oh, pardon. 
That your dog? Sorry, guys, my bloody dog. Oh, uh, this. Someone knocked on my front door, but we're going to ignore it because we're recording an important podcast. It might Is be it my office, office chair. chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'll, I'll take in the office chair for you, Christian. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> Anyway, tell him again to shut up because this is very important. So, Greg's game went down surprisingly well. And hello to a Steve Dean on Instagram who suggested a format that I instantly fell in love with. And I instantly text producer Jimmy and said, I will resign if we don't do this. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the brand new Formula One entertainment format. This is Play Your Cars Right. Yes. Aww. Yay! Jimmy, add music in and editing. It'll be great. So, the aim of the game... Can I just stop stop you there? Yeah. Did did, did Steve Dean think that Whose V Is It Anyway was actually good? Mm. Or are you just saying... No, I I genuinely think people liked Whose V Is It Anyway. Okay, great. Well, that, that thank you... To, to everyone for being very kind and patronising me. Well, it was as much a surprise to me as it was to anyone else. Anyway, the aim of this game is perfectly simple. You will be given a driver and their race number. You have to guess whether the next driver in my pack of cards and their number is higher or lower. I tossed a coin before the show because I'm a game show professional. <laughs> and Mr. Greg James, you will start. So, Greg, are you ready to play? Play your cards right. Oh. I've never been more ready for anything. Okay, great. Okay, so Greg, welcome along. Are you feeling confident? Thank you. Yes, lovely to be here. Completely new format. Uh, very excited to play. It's, it, it just reminds me of something else. I can't quite put my finger on it. But yes, play your cards right. I'm really excited to play this new format. So yes, Christian, what, what would you like to ask me? Well, Greg, I'm hoping this goes well because thinking, thinking about it, the amount of filler on Sky Sports F1 and non-race weekends, they could commission this into a series. It'd be great. Anyway, <laughs> um, Greg, your starting card is... Esteban Ocon, and that is number 31. And I can tell you that Esteban Ocon chose his racing number because he was successful in it in his junior career. So that's good news, isn't it? Mm. See, this fact is education. It's brilliant. <laughs> Greg, would you like to go higher or lower than... And join in at home. Shout at the earphones. Higher or lower than 31? I'm going to go higher than 31. Higher than 31. Higher than 31. He says, oh, it's Guan Yu Zhou, who's 24. Oh. oh. So, Greg, That's you're annoying. frozen out for now, I'm afraid. And contestant number two, you're back in play. Betty Glover, welcome to the game. Hello, Christian. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, <laughs> thank you for being here. Guan Yu Zhou, who, according to the German publication Speed Week, uses the number 24 as tribute to his childhood hero and NBA icon, Kobe Bryant. Oh. So there you are. Guan Yu Zhou, 24, higher or lower than Guan Yu Zhou, Betty Glover. I'm going to risk it for a risk it and go lower. You're going to go lower. You're wrong as well. It was Nico oh, Hulkenberg. No. Greg James, Nico Hulkenberg. Welcome back, Greg. Greg, you're back in play. Uh, Greg. <laughs> Thank you for letting me back in play. You're welcome. Higher or lower than Nico Hulkenberg, 27. Nico Hulkenberg. I'm going to go higher again. You're going to go higher? <laughs> That's also wrong. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. It's Yuki Tsunoda. Yuki Tsunoda. Higher or lower than Yuki Tsunoda, who is 22. It's a low card. I'm going to go higher. Higher is the right answer because it's George Russell. <laughs> Betty wins Yay! the first point. So, Betty, for a second point, it's a fairly middle card, higher or lower than 63, George Russell. 63. I'm going to go lower. Oh, it's wrong, unfortunately, I'm afraid. It's Valtteri Bottas, who is 77. Greg James, you're back in play. Thank you for having me back in play. Higher or lower than 77, 
Valtteri Bottas. Oh, I'm definitely going lower than that. I'd be mad not to. You're definitely going lower. You are right. It is Logan Sargent, who is number two. Oh, Logan. Lovely Logan. On the last episode of the podcast, available now, wherever you get your podcasts, Greg James, higher or lower than Logan Sargent, number two. Well, can I just stop the game quickly? Because two is very, very low. Uh, It's the second lowest number, famously. Who used to have two that enabled him to have two? Because I thought two would go quite soon. I don't don't think there's been a two for years. Right, okay. Well, it's definitely higher. But two's a good number, I think. Anyway, higher. Higher. You are quite right. It's number 44, Sir Lewis Hamilton, which means, Greg, you are one point from winning the game. So this is incredibly exciting. This is very tense. Very tense. Lower. Is, was that your final answer? That's my final answer. Betty, you're back in the game. It's Oscar Piastri, who oh. is 81. Oh. Higher or lower than Oscar Piastri, 81. I'm going to have to go lower, aren't I? It's the right answer. Yes! It's to all. So, oh. Betty, I'm going to say that, Betty, if you get this one right, you win the game. If you get this wrong, Greg James wins the game. Nick DeVries, number 21. We've had quite a lot of high numbers. We haven't had... Max Verstappen yet. He's very... He's a low number, of course. She's showing her working. Perez. Perez is a low number. Should should I risk it? Higher or lower? I need to push you for an answer. 21. Nick DeVries. Higher or lower? Ah! I'm going to go higher. The winner of the inaugural and first of many, I'm sure, play your cards right, is... What did you say again? <laughs> I said higher. Higher. Right, yeah, sorry. Is... Mr. Greg James, it was Kevin Magnuson, number 20. <laughs> Greg's the winner. I knew winner. I should have gone lower. I knew I should have gone lower. In oh. your face. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Play Your <sighs> Cars Right. Da, 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 da. Well done, Greg. Genuinely thrilling. Shall we move on to listener questions then? Please. Well, did you like the game? I mean, did, did you like the game? Yeah, I loved it. I thought that was brilliant. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. It was more thrilling than McLaren News. <laughs> Very harsh to McLaren News. And better than... Whose V is it anyway? Although that's got a better name. Whose V is it? <laughs> no, it hasn't. Let's be honest. Play and... your cards right. He's brilliant. <laughs> anyway. Christian, let's put your let's put your brain to the test, shall we? Listeners' questions. They're always flooding our DMs. They're my favourite part of the show. Christian, first question. This has been coming up so much in our DMs. Why are Red Bull so good? We know that they're fast, Christian. But why are they so fast and why are they dominating the season so much so far? I could bang on about this for hours. So I've got a very quick three point list. The first driver lineup, Max Verstappen is a true great. He's scary fast. Sergio Perez is a top level F1 driver who on his day has the speed to win races. And in Saudi had the speed to win the race. When Max closed up because of the safety car and was only five seconds behind, he couldn't catch and pass Sergio. So Sergio did brilliantly. He is there to mop up the pieces when Max doesn't. Point two Adrian Newey, he is the chief tech officer. And if you're new to Formula One, you might not have heard that name before. He is a legend of the sport and he heads up the design team. And the cars that Adrian designs tend to win world championships. He had more of a backseat role at Red Bull during some of the Mercedes dominance years in the sort of 2010s. But F1 is about who interprets the rules in the best way. Who makes the car stick to the track the best? Who makes the car cut through the air the best? Where that air goes, hence wind tunnels. Adrian Newey is an absolute master. And this is being thought of as one of his best ever Formula One cars. And finally, they've got such a hunger. And I'm not saying other teams like Mercedes don't. But I remember when Max had won the World Championship in 2021. A few days after they won the championship, I went 
to the homecoming, Max's homecoming. Mercedes had won the Constructors' Championship that year still. And I overheard one of the mechanics say, with the most feeling you've ever heard, say, at least we've taken one of the two championships off the bastards. And that just made me how Don't underestimate how badly Red Bull wanted to end the Mercedes cycle of dominance, which they've done. We've got to give them credit. This is a truly historic F1 car in the making. This is a properly, properly good F1 car and they deserve credit for that. Hard question. But if you put Lewis Hamilton in this Red Bull car and got him to race Max Verstappen in the Red Bull car, who would win? Not a clue. <laughs> I think separating Max, Lewis, Fernando as well on equal machinery, I couldn't answer that question. Max, Lewis and Fernando are three of the absolute all-time greats and I don't know how you'd separate them in equal machinery. I really don't. I can't work out whether it's boring that there's one team that are dominant and the rest have to fight it out. Is it a problem for Formula One that it takes so long for, say a Williams or a McLaren or an Alpine or an AlphaTauri or a Haas to get to that level. It might never happen. We might be dead before <laughs> one of these other teams comes through. It, it is a problem for F1, but that's why F1 has bought in the sliding scale of, of aerodynamic work. So Red Bull, the winners of last year's championship, will get less time to work on the aerodynamics of the car this year. Williams, who finished last, will get the most time. And the hope is... Things like the budget cap and things like the sliding scale will mean that in future years it will be much closer. And we are already seeing the midfield is really, really close and really, really exciting. If you took Red Bull out the picture, it would be an amazing fight for first. So, yeah, we'd, uh, neutrals like me would all rather see a closer fight. But it's like, you know, Manchester City fans when they win the Premier League by 15 points. They're having a great season. They're having the time of their life. And Red Bull have tens of thousands, of hundreds of thousands of passionate fans. So, yeah, I, as a, as a neutral, would much rather a closer championship. But as sports fans, we should sit there and go, bloody hell, you've done an amazing job. Fair play. But, you know, there are things that might derail them. There's still a question mark over reliability. In Bahrain, both drivers were nervous about making it to the end. Max had a failure in Saudi qualifying. It's teams in the past when they've had two drivers that are very quick. I'm talking Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg. I'm talking Mark Webber, Sebastian Vettel. Sometimes that can come to a head. Could it with Sergio and Max? Yeah, what is their relationship like? Because sometimes it does seem to be a bit tense between the two, doesn't it? Their relationship is good, but go back to last season in Brazil. Max had already won the championship. Sergio was fighting for second. They were down in something like sixth and seventh. Max was told to move over to let Sergio through, and he didn't. In Saudi, when we were talking on our TikTok live stream about who was going to get the extra points for getting the fastest lap of the race, Sergio was told, hang fire. Max went for fastest lap and got the point. So I do wonder if, if Sergio thinks this is my best chance of a world championship sod what the teams say I'm in it for me it could be an interesting one between those two and a lot of people in our DMs are also talking about Aston Martin as well aren't they can they sustain how well they're doing well they deserve amazing credit because we spoke in a previous episode about they are investing heavily you know they won't they'll be paying Fernando a few quid they've got a new factory on the way they've got a new wind tunnel on the way but they're not here yet Aston Martin have done an unbelievable job to turn things around. And it proves what Greg said earlier about 
is it, you know, ideal for Formula One that these teams, it takes ages. It proves that you can, if you get it right, make a big jump. In terms of can they sustain it? Yes, I think they can. Things should only get better for Aston Martin. They've invested in staff as well. It could be the start of seeing Aston Martin at the front long term. Can we talk quickly? And I don't want too much detail, but just the the Aston Martin copying the Red Bull car. <laughs> I don't know if that's the legal way of saying it, but it, I find that so interesting because you can't just copy a car. Well, they, how the, did they how did they copy a car? There's been lots of people in the paddock saying, "Oh, well, it's just a green Red Bull, and that's how they've gone quick." I'm sorry. I don't get this criticism. If you're a midfield team and you want to get better and you see a team like Red Bull going down a particular route with its aerodynamics and they're doing well, why wouldn't you go down that route? The alternative is go down a different route like Mercedes did and it hasn't worked. I just, I don't get the criticism of them. Good for them. For me, it's common sense. This will be a controversial opinion. It's common sense for me. If Red Bull are quick, why wouldn't you try and go down the Red Bull route? It's sport. I don't agree with that criticism, but that criticism is there this season. Yeah, a very good point. Look, they are the, they're the, they're the leaders. They're setting the standard. So that's the, that's the standard to attain and then to try and break through. Very much like the England men's cricket team. They're playing a great brand of cricket that everyone around the world is going, okay, we need to do that and do it better in order to beat them. Exactly. That leads us on nicely, a slight cricket link because the number one sport in Australia is cricket. Uh, we're in Australia for the Grand Prix. So, oh, well, come on, come on. <laughs> what can we expect from the Australian Grand Prix? The exciting thing for us as Fast and the Curious faithfuls is that our pal Oscar Piastri will be uh, doing his first home Grand Prix. Yay, big Oscar. I wonder how he's feeling. I imagine he's probably feeling quite nervous because there might be quite a lot of pressure on him. I noticed on that, Betty, actually, when you uh, one of the F1 journalists I follow tweeted a picture that when you get to the airport in Melbourne, there's a big welcome to Melbourne, Australia picture with the F1 drivers with Oscar right there. Oh. But in terms of what you can expect, it's a tight track. That often means that you get safety cars, which makes for an exciting race. It's tricky, but not impossible to overtake. And they've actually made changes to the circuit in the last couple of years to widen it in places and make it easier to overtake and make it faster. Uh, and the biggest thing to expect from it is if you're going to follow the F1 bloody early in the morning, I'll be getting up at six o'clock in the morning on Sunday to watch the race. Greg won't because he's having a lion and he deserves one. Betty, will you? I don't know. I'm debating it at the moment. I think it depends on how my day on Saturday goes. Am I going to be tired? Am I going to need the extra sleep? I'm not sure. But I quite like the idea of just sitting in bed and watching it. Well, I was going to get up at 6am to watch qualifying on Saturday, but now I'm going out Friday night now, so forget that. I'll watch on tape. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. I'm going to get up and watch it as live when I get up and just not. Look look at any messages. Yeah, that's a very good idea. If I had Sky Plus, that I'd do that, yeah. Yeah, I might ruin it and just send loads of messages in the group chat for you, Greg. Yeah, but I'll just mute an archive. That's my prerogative. That's rude. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll archive you. Greg, that is appalling work. No, I get that. Archiving aside, tell us about the Australian Grand Prix. Who's going to win it? Uh, Max Verstappen, I expect. No further questions. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Keep an eye on Red Bull's reliability. Keep an eye on how close Sergio Perez is to Max. And then keep an eye on where Mercedes, Ferrari and Aston are. Can I give you my prediction? Please do. I think there's going to be an incident with both Red Bulls. And I think George Russell's going to win the Grand Prix. Why is that your prediction, Greg? Uh, because it's a very, very volatile 
sport. Christian's already said it's a pretty dangerous track. There could easily be a couple of shunts, uh, a wheel flies off, whatever. First quarter at Australia is often chaos. It's not silly prediction. Yeah, I know. I, when I was in the sim, Christian, I was in the gutter within yeah. five seconds. Mm. I've, I've driven around that corner. Basically, the Red Bulls are going to glover it. Full glover it, fine. And I think George Russell's going to win. Make a good story. Well, good luck to all the drivers, but particularly Oscar Piastri on his home soil, just just metres from his actual house where he grew up. It'll be a really emotional moment for him and I'm excited for him and all his friends and family to um, his extensive guest list that he told us about. I've got to interrupt. Sorry, guys. Oh, no. Hang on a minute. Bear with me a second. I've just got to interrupt. Hello? Uh, hi there. Oh, is this about the office chair? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Within the next 30 minutes. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much. What is that voice? Thanks then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There we go. With me within 30 minutes. Christian, your phone voice and your hosting game show voice is the same voice. Oh, that's (laughs) nice. That's nice. Anyway, Greg, sorry, I interrupted. Carry on. And if you want to go back and listen to the Oscar Piastri episode, it was episode three of The Fast and the Curious. It was a brilliant one where he was co-hosting. It was just a lovely insight into how he's got to where he is today, his thoughts and uh, excitements around going to Australia and actually racing there. And it's available on this feed. Next up, I want to bring something very exciting to the podcast. Now, as team principal, I want to keep you both at absolute peak brain capacity. Christian, I know your brain is elsewhere today thinking about furniture, Mm. but... I also know that you're lacking some basic map skills. Yeah, my geography's terrible. It really is. Yeah, so you know your geography through knowing where races are, basically. I didn't pay attention in geography at school. I had to, I have a short attention span generally, so it's entirely based on Champions League football teams and Formula One races. That's <laughs> it. Okay, I need to put an end to that right now. And actually, my geography is based on where cricket grounds are. So I know lots about India, <laughs> lots about South Africa. <laughs> but yeah, if you, if you were to test me on Japan, I wouldn't have a Scooby. Anyway, so we've arranged something very, very special. An actual geography lesson. I've enlisted a crack squad of F1 fans who are also geography pupils. So please welcome, led by their team principal, Miss Howard, year nine geography students, Owen, Charlie, Jack and Lewis. Welcome to the Fast and the Curious. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Hi. Thank you so much for having us on the podcast. We're super excited. Oh, thanks so much for coming on. So, Miss Howard, tell us how this came about. So, I had the pleasure of teaching a lot of these pupils last year, and in our geography lessons, we often tried to get some sort of interesting Formula One facts into the lessons, and we'd have a bit of a chat about it. And then, obviously, when we saw the podcast this year, I thought, aha, I know some perfect people for this. Incredible. So quickly, let's go down the line then. So let's get um, favourite driver from Owen, Charlie, Jack and Lewis. Go for it. Mine's Daniel Ricciardo. Charlie? Mine's Hamilton. Jack? Max Verstappen. Lewis? Mine's Lando Norris. Lando Norris. And what about you, Miss Howard? Do you know what? I love Perez. He's just such a gentleman. Really? No one ever says Perez is their favourite driver. Is he a bit of a bit of a surprising <laughs> one? Oh, I love that. What have you got there for us? You've got some props and things, haven't you? Yeah, so we've got some brilliant props. We are going to start off with Owen. So explain your prop, Owen. I've got like a Williams hat from a couple of years ago. And I'm jealous because I haven't got a Williams hat. You can see my hats in the background. I've got a Red Bull, I've got a McLaren, I've got an Alpine, I've got a Braun GP one, but I haven't got a Williams one. 
You should get one. Christian, when we were at Williams HQ the other day, you did steal like some sort of jacket, I think, didn't you? Or you got given a jacket. So you've got quite a lot of Williams <laughs> merch, mate. It's a gym top. I've, I stole a Logan Sargent gym, gym top. So yeah, I have got some Williams merch now. That's right. <laughs> right. So that was Owens. We'll go to Charlie next. Uh, I've got a Ferrari steering wheel from when I used to play F1 on my Xbox. Oh my God, it's proper. I so want one. That's so cool. Betty would be rubbish with that. If you couldn't drive that one-handed, he's also pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And then finally, we've got Jack's got prop- official F1 game. Good man, Jack. From watching the videos and listening to the last episode where you were at the simulator. Because you know, Miss Howard and and boys, did you hear that they went on the actual Williams sim last week? I was so yeah. jealous. I think I might get the game and I might get a steering wheel for it. And I think this might jeopardise my marriage, but so be it. You can do two-player career mode, Greg. You and Bella could have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Our marriage is two-player career mode, basically. Who would win, you or Bella? Oh, I would absolutely wipe the floor with her. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. I would. I'm team Bella here. Miss Howell, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the team. Is there a team name? We do have a team name. Lewis, did you come up with the team name? Yeah, I did. F1234. Because <laughs> there's four of you. <laughs> Excellent. I feel like I have been missed out from this team name. I think it should be F1234 and 5 for Miss Howard. No, 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 but you're but Miss Howard, you're the team principal like me. Everyone needs a team principal. It's a very important job. Just ask Christian Horner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the Christian <laughs> You're the Christian Horner of the school. Exactly. <laughs> if you've got a problem, change your car. Clean your thin whiteboard. <laughs> Miss Howard, Owen, Charlie, Jack and Lewis, can you give us some Australian geography facts, please, as we are obviously focusing on Australia for the next Grand Prix? Fab. Charlie, do you want to go first? Around 90% of Australians live on the east coast of Australia, where many of their most well-known cities are located, such as Melbourne and Brisbane. Wow. I had no idea. I didn't know it was 90%. What's a very strange country. Very, very strange country. And that's coming from someone who lives in Britain, which is one of the strangest of all time. Okay, next fact, please. Cricket is an incredibly popular sport in Australia. Every Boxing Day, around 100,000 people flock to the Melbourne Cricket Ground to watch the extremely prestigious Boxing Day Test, which Australia play against a different country. Every four years, it's against England, but we don't tend to do very well. (laughs) That is absolutely true. Greg, did you sneak that fact in there for them, just so you could get a little bit of cricket in? No, I didn't, but I have been to the Boxing Day Test match, and it's a real... Rite of passage as a cricket fan. You're very lucky if you've got a chance to go there. It's, it is a sensational atmosphere. And uh, yeah, just unfortunately for me, I went there in 2013, 2014, where England lost very badly oh. and uh, it was a complete disaster. But it was nice to be there. Uh, next fact, please. Although Canberra is the capital of Australia, Melbourne is considered the unofficial sporting capital of, in Australia. It's also the only city in the world with five international standing sporting facilities. I didn't know that. The only city in the world? I had no idea. That's a great fact. I did not know about that. I knew that they got the Rod Laver Arena for tennis. and the... That's amazing. Brilliant. So they were our three facts, but we also have a Formula One Related question for Christian. <gasps> Could you maybe beat the Christian? Ooh. Oh boy. <laughs> so, Owen, with his Williams hat, 
is going to ask you a question and we're going to see how you get on. I really hope you don't know this because it took a while, <laughs> but I guess we'll see. Only three drivers in history have gotten a podium on their first drive around Albert Park, but do you know who they are? <gasps> That's a good question. Oh, I think I know one of them. Well, one of them is Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Yes. Do you know the year? 2007. Ooh. Yep. That's one. <laughs> Two more. Oh, God, hang on a minute. Okay. Kevin Magnuson. Yes. Do you know the year? Uh, Kevin Magnuson, who, and that is his only podium to date, I believe. He now drives for Haas. The year must have been 2011. Wrong. Oh, what was the year? 2014. Oh, I've, I've aged Kevin there. I'm three years out. And the third podium on debut could it have been hecky kovalainen for mclaren no no god you 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 beat me then you beat me then. oh yeah, yeah. you've beaten me <laughs> you've beaten the christian i've done it brilliant work oh that is sensational team principal miss howard hang on 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 <laughs> your williams hat you miss howard mentioned williams hat could it have been Jacques Villeneuve in 1996? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Excellent. I mean, it's too late because they've already beaten the Christian. Yeah. But well done, Owen, Charlie, Jack, Lewis, and Miss Howard, the team principal. What a victory over the reigning champion, really. What you've done there is you've overtaken Max Verstappen and you've won, you've won the Grand Prix. Yes! <laughs> you've done the impossible. You've done the impossible, yeah. Very, very good. Very good. So can I just ask quickly, um, are you four, have you four been, been been fans of Formula 1 for for a while? Yeah, I'm quite new to F1, but they've got a lot more knowledge than me. But you're enjoying it and you're sort of enjoying learning about it and sort of getting into it a bit more because there's so much to find out, isn't there? And it's a fascinating sport. Yeah, I'm starting to enjoy it a lot more. We love to see new Formula 1 fans and that is some good knowledge that you've got there, guys. I'm incredibly impressed. I'm just impressed that we've managed to outsmart you, Christian. All it took was for some teenagers to beat the Christian, and that's fantastic. Excellent. Yes. Miss Howard, thank you so much. And thank you to Owen, Charlie, Jack and Lewis. And uh, a quick prediction for the Australian Grand Prix. Go on, Owen. I think it'll be the same as Saudi. I've got money in Paris. Max Verstappen, no one's beating him at the minute. Hamilton. <laughs> Max Verstappen's going to like dominate the race, I think. Yeah, interesting that there's a Lewis Hamilton shout in there. I do think that there's going to be some controversy. There's going to be something that's going to happen. We know how mad Formula One is. We know what happened with the George Russell, Fernando Alonso stuff and the Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton stuff a couple of years ago at Abu Dhabi. There's always a little twist somewhere along the line. And I think there's going to be some sort of argy-bargy. There's going to be a power failure or something's going to happen. And one of the Mercedes is going to win. That's my prediction. I think it would be lovely to see some of the other teams start to get, get in the pole position and and start to dominate yeah. as well. Spoken like a true, fair, wonderful teacher. <laughs> Opportunities for all. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks so guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. How cool was that? Oh. Brilliant. That is literally the future. That's the future of the sport. That's the future of the world. It gives me hope. They're amazing. And um, I hope you enjoyed your little geography lesson. Oh, they were amazing. That's a great place to end this episode of The Fast and the Curious. Thank you so much for listening. Any questions you have, you can try and beat the Christian or you just if you have something that you want to ask him, you can email us fastandcurious at acast.com and we'll be back straight after the Australian Grand Prix. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Betty. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 